Welcome everyone. I am Andrew Duckworth and I would like to thank you for joining us for our special series of BJJ podcasts on the COVID-19 pandemic. As we all know, the impact of the pandemic is being felt throughout the world and without doubt will have affected many aspects of our professional and personal lives. Through these podcasts, we hope to cover the key issues that have arisen as a consequence of the pandemic for us in orthopedic and trauma surgery, as well as uh, our healthcare profession as a whole. We'll be taking, talking to colleagues from throughout the UK, uh, as well as from across the globe, including hearing from colleagues working in some of the worst affected areas in the world, as we will today. We also feel it's an opportunity to discuss the future in terms of both the recovery phase and what we can anticipate when the worst of the pandemic is hopefully over. So today I have the pleasure of being joined by Professor Ken Eagle, who is the Professor of Orthopaedic Surgery and Vice Chair of the Department of Orthopaedic Surgery at the NYU School of Medicine and NYU Longone Health Group in New York City, which as we all know has been to date one of the worst affected regions in the US and the world. Many thanks, Ken, for taking the time to join us today. How you doing, Andrew? Good, thanks, Ken. So, Ken, if we could start off just looking at the general overall impact of COVID in the US. Obviously, we've had a lot through the press here and seeing what's happening over there. But what, what, how would you describe the impact on the healthcare system over there and what changes you've seen so far? Well, I can really, I can only speak uh, to the changes seen in the field of orthopedic surgery in, mm. our, in our area of New York. But it's certainly the, the effects have been fairly devastating, devastating for patients and families. Uh, devastating for healthcare providers who are thrust into various situations that they have varying levels of comfort with, uh, and not just the providers, but our support staff, the nurses and the uh, techs and the patient care associates and even the people who you know, clean up the hospital and uh, move the linen and uh, you know, for every aspect of people who help make the hospitals and the healthcare system go, mm. uh, everybody's been uh, fairly affected. No, I can understand that. I mean, it's certainly been the, the same case here. And in terms of uh, your ability to provide the service to your patients, I mean, in terms of trauma and elective work, how, where, where are you at at, uh, at this stage? Well, so all, all elective orthopedic surgery has been eliminated. And that's, we've, we stopped elective cases about a month ago now. Yeah. We don't foresee any startup of that for at least another four to six weeks right. at, at all. Um, the trauma system is up and working. Um, we we have capacity. The city trauma centers have capacity. Um, fortunately, there has been a significant decrease in the number of trauma cases we're seeing, and obviously that's because people aren't going out. They're not going to bars. They're not drinking. They're not walking inebriated in the streets and getting hit by cars. They're not falling down the steps. You know, we are still seeing geriatric trauma, the older people falling in the homes, mm-hmm. um, minor traumas, um, which has been fortunate. So the, the volume is, is diminished, uh, yet our capacity maintains uh, fairly strong. That's, that's interesting. And, and that would very much mirror what we've seen here is that sort of, sort of downturn, but we're still getting the fragility fractures and the elderly fractures uh, through the system. And you're still manning, managing to maintain uh, a service for them at present? Yes. Um, yes, we treat... All the uh, trauma and fracture patients, uh, as we would have uh, absent COVID. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we're treating the majority of people as they are COVID positive. Yeah. Um, but fractures that need surgery are getting surgery. Okay. Traumas that need attention are, are being treated appropriately, and no one is being turned away. Now, we have relaxed some, you know, some of our indications. You know, I've mm-hmm. attempted to treat a couple of non-displaced hip fractures without surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, with varying degrees of success. Sure. But other than that, you know, it's pretty much in the trauma world business as usual. 
And in terms of sort of your, your outpatient work or your office work, as you would call it, is, is that changed at all? Yes. Uh, I would say we're doing a, probably about 80, 90% telehealth visits now. We uh, have a pretty robust um, EMR and um, we have a very good telehealth uh, uh, program built into it. And that's been working out very well. In fact, I'm sure it'll change the way we practice medicine after this whole thing is op- over because we see that we can do a lot of things uh, fairly efficiently um, using these uh, this technology. So, uh, you know, that's been a uh, unintended consequence, but maybe a bright spot. No, I, so I, I, I think I, in trauma, we're, we're seeing, I'm still seeing people in the office, the post-ops that need their sutures removed, anybody with a potential wound issue or people who need x-rays for follow-up. Yeah. obviously need to come in. So we in trauma, you know, probably are seeing more people than um, our sports and arthroplasty and spine colleagues are. Sure. No, I, I would exactly mirror that for us as well. And uh, I think, it, like you say, it's one of the unintended maybe positives out of this is it's maybe going to change even for the future when things get back to normal. We maybe still be using this technology because it does work very well, I'd agree. In terms of um, your your staffing and sort of the community have you lost your junior staff? Are they have they been seconded elsewhere to other parts to help out? Uh, it's an all hands on deck situation here. Right. Everybody has been redeployed. Our resident staff, our orthopedic residents, who are the best and the brightest in this country, are working floors and ICUs and taking care of medical patients. They're part of proning teams. They are working in the ED. Um, so they are working their butts off. Mm. Our faculty has also answered the call. Faculty, yeah. people who are spine surgeons and arthroplasty surgeons and sports medicine docs are donning protective equipment and going on and, and helping hospitalists manage patients on the floors and where they can't, they're going to ICUs and helping manage patients in the ICUs. Everybody is doing everything they can and they're really putting out an incredible effort here. Yeah, no. I, I'm, I, sure, I'm, I'm sure in every, every hard hit area as well. No, I agree, agree with you, Ken. Like we've spoken to a few people, and I think that's been the overwhelming thing: is that um, almost everybody to none has, you know, is 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 is, is contributing, you know, and uh, and keen to help. And I think no matter what specialty you are, uh, somebody said uh, on our, one of our previous podcasts, we're just all doctors at the moment and just just helping out, you know, as best we can. Correct, correct. A lot of our uh, a lot of our uh, residents and junior faculty have uh, relearned how to operate uh, the ventilators. Yes. And, uh, relearn the physics and the physiology involved. So it's, it's crazy, isn't it? I know in terms of your, so that, that moves on to the, the community itself. How, how do you feel it has affected you, you, your teams and your colleagues, you know, in terms of, you know, there is a, w- with this pandemic, there is a, obviously a fear for our own safety and our families as well. How, how, how have you all dealt with that? I think everybody deals with it a little differently. I think, I think the number I heard about 20% of our workforce has been affected and in, in some way or another, uh, you know, being positive at some point and missing time from work. We've had um, five or six of our residents uh, turn positive and two, two of whom were fairly sick. Mm-hmm. A couple of my uh, faculty colleagues have had to be hospitalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, others who have not have been treated at home. Mm-hmm. The, the question I think you're asking is, you know, how do we come to work and then go home and potentially expose our families? Different people are doing different things. Some people are staying away. Yeah. The city and the hotels in the city have offered free housing in their ho- empty hotel rooms for, for healthcare workers. Our hospital is putting people up in empty dorm rooms. Um, the 
food and service industry in New York is donating tons and tons of food to healthcare workers. Um, some people are going home and social distancing themselves from other members of their families within their own homes. Yeah. Uh, people, you know, so everyone is, is doing it, you know, in their own, in their own way. But I think everybody is, uh, has in mind to keep their loved ones, their family, their friends safe. Absolutely. Um, and that's obviously the first thing on our mind. We want to do everything we can for our patients and, and keep those who are important to us as safe as we can. Absolutely. And I, think I couldn't say it better. I, I, I totally agree. In terms of that, in terms of keeping safe, I mean, one of, one of the issues, that which, again, which has come up a fair bit and is often in the press a lot, is about the protective equipment. How, how have you found that in terms of, I suppose, the supplies of that more than anything? Is that, that, has that been good where you are? Well, so again, speaking for NYU, yeah. Um, and what I've seen, we have not had a problem mm. with uh, PPE. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean if you go to the floor and you're going from patient to patient that you might not find a yellow cover gown to put over. You might have to walk around to find one. Mm. Um, but certainly everyone is provided with uh, masks and face shields, and it's all there. Obviously, they're being a little bit conservative uh, with the N95 masks because they're in short supplies. So we can basically use them for about a week or so before we replace them. Right. Um, I wear my, when I go to the OR, I cover it with another mask just so it doesn't get blood splattered and I can maintain it. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, we have not, I have not seen that. I know there are some outlying hospitals around New York where it has been a bit of a problem. And I think that was early on in the whole, you know, uh, pandemic uh, when people didn't know where things were going. I think maybe supplies were being hoarded and yeah. I don't know. I think it's easier to find a mask now than it is to find a roll of toilet paper, though. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's crazy. That was the first thing to go in New York. Yeah, no, it was same here. Same here. Still not figured out why completely, but yeah, no. Yeah. I know. And in terms of um, the testing, just out of interest, because we've, we've had a variety of opinions on this. If somebody comes to your, your, your hospital and is admitted, does everybody get tested? Or, or how, how are you working it at the moment? Well, if they're admitted for a, a pulmonary problem or it's presumed a PUI, presumed infection, then um, then they're getting tested. Yeah. If someone comes in with a, a broken leg and otherwise healthy, I don't believe they're getting tested. Fine. Fine. Um, and I don't believe we're testing every single patient that needs surgery. Right. Yeah. Obviously, the majority of people who are presenting to hospitals nowadays are people who are you know for suspicious. Are suspicious of having, um, you know, the virus. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And so moving on to sort of, can it sort of, uh, we're, we're going to talk about a, a bit of research, but obviously research is, uh, I'm sure in your institutions, the same as, as uh, around the world and, and with ours is that everything's sort of on, on hold at the moment while we deal with the, the major clinical problem. But I know you're a very active, active, active department. What, what, what have you sort of, you managed to maintain anything or try and keep anything going with, with all your projects? Well, we're certainly trying to keep, um, you know, our databases going. So as patients with various conditions come in, we're trying to keep track of them yeah. without enrolling them so that we can go back and try to contact them after when, when time allows. Uh, you know, we have people who are, you know, working on gathering, you know, no, no patient contact, gathering data and radiographic parameters and things like that to fill in, um, you know, while this is all going on, it's a good time to gather what you have and write papers and abstracts. And we're certainly um, looking at, we're allowed to work on projects that don't involve patients. Yes. And things yeah. like surveys and, and, and things that we can do amongst each other, colleagues, 
Uh, we're trying to do that. And of course, we're going to try and keep track of everything we're doing in this pandemic orthopedic trauma wise so that we can uh, maybe, you know, be prepared a little bit better for the next time this, this comes around. Absolutely. Have you, is it, I totally agree. And is, is there anything you've looked at in particular? I mean, one thing we started to look at here is obviously COVID positive patients and hip fractures. Is there anything in particular that you guys have started in terms of that or? Yeah, we're looking at the same thing. You know, obviously there are people who have to be treated and the majority of them, these elderly people that are coming in and many of them are COVID positive, yeah. asymptomatic or symptomatic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, post-surgical uh, pulmonary decompensation. Yeah. And we're seeing it even with regional anesthesia. So, you know, obviously it, uh, it changes the game a little bit, but, um, you know, we're, uh, we're going we're gonna to take a look at everything in detail, um, obviously, when we get, a, when we get a, a moment to do so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sort of that, that leads into our, sort of our, my sort of final sort of question, Ken, was in, in terms of the future. I mean, as I said to you before, we can't predict the future. Who knows how long this will last for and how we'll come out the other side of it. But how have you got any feel of, uh, from, from your institution, how things are going to progress over the next couple of weeks to months in terms of, and what sort of challenges you, I suppose you think as trauma orthopedic surgery we're, we're going to face moving forward? Well, I mean, I th obviously, I think the biggest challenge that we're going to have in trauma is if, you know, God forbid, there was some type of mass casualty event on top of all this with all of our resources diverted, mm. you know, towards this pandemic. And I think in the future, we're going to have to look at how we'll be able to manage multiple uh, disasters, medical and, and mass casualty that would potentially occur simultaneously. Yeah. Um, but, but from the standpoint of getting back to normal... I, who, you know, who, who can predict? I mean, this is, no one's ever seen anything like this. I was here during 9-11 and, you know, we didn't think anything would ever get back to normal, but that was something that really only affected, you know, our city and, and our area, mm. the rest of the country and the rest of society, and the rest of the world and the rest of the economy went on. Went on. Um, but this is completely different. So I, I, I don't really answer for that, but what I, I'm, I'm pretty certain that things will return um, to fairly normal lifestyle eventually. They always do. Mm. Um, will things be different? Yes. How they'll be different, I can't tell you. Yeah. Um, but they certainly will be different. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll learn less when we go back and do a deep dive into everything and, and yeah. figure out how we can approach this better in the future. And something will happen next time that we're not prepared for, and that's what happens. You, you always learn from, from each experience. Uh, that's, what, you know, that's what medicine is. Yeah. Uh, that's what this situation is going to be. And, uh, but I fully expect that this city, this country, uh, the world is going to uh, bounce back, and uh, and we will, uh, you know, return to uh, to life as it as uh, as it was and will be. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's a a nice way to finish actually on, on that note. So, thank you so much for your excellent comments and insights. It's been really good to hear how things are across the pond, and uh, we really do appreciate you taking the time to join us at this busy time. And we send our best wishes to you and and your colleagues uh, and their families uh, through these difficult times. So, thanks for joining us, Ken. Thanks for having me. Uh, be safe and healthy and to everybody over there as well. Thank you. And finally, as always, we also like to acknowledge our, and thank our many colleagues around the UK and across the globe for their ongoing tireless contributions uh, in the care of our patients during this pandemic. And we at the gym will continue to support you all in any way we can. Stay safe and well, everyone, and thanks for listening. <laughs>